0: Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be breaking down the Monday night slate, the ESPN big Monday night slate of college basketball DFS. Uh, it's looking like it's only going to be a slate on DraftKings. Looks like FanDuel is going back to a single game slate for Monday night, which is kind of disappointing. Been enjoying these FanDuel contests, but um, big time slate on DraftKings with the three games with Miami-UNC. Baylor, West Virginia, and Texas Texas Tech. Side note, it seems like Texas is permanent residence of Big Monday. But anyway, three really good games to target. A lot of good players, a lot of good options to build in lineups. Now, I'm recording this just getting done after watching the Super Bowl. Gotta say, man, just fantastic QB duel that game was. Both Hertz and Mahomes were great. Absolutely entertaining watch start to finish. I know a lot of people are gonna talk about the holding call, but. I honestly think they got it right. Like, I think if Bradbury doesn't hold, I think Juju scores. And also, like, if you're Bradbury in that situation, have the awareness not to hold because even if he scores a touchdown, that's better than them getting a first down, and then, you know, you're looking at them just running out the clock and kicking a field goal. So um, I kind of think that just, you know, Bradbury should know better not to even put himself in that situation. But um, anyway, outstanding game, fun to watch. Now it's college basketball time. So – Let's go ahead and break down this Monday night slate, but first, let's get a quick word from our friends at Anchor. Truthfully, this is rare on a three-game slate, but I really think all three of these games are really good game environments for DFS. All three games have over 145 points for their total, um, which is not something that happens every day at all. In fact, I feel like most college basketball games this season have had that total set at 140, and... I feel like this season's been a little more under than the over, not going to lie. Anyway, West Virginia-Baylor is a rematch. The previous meeting was 83-78 to Baylor, so that's 151. Or I'm sorry, 161 total for that one. Uh, Texas-Texas Tech is a rematch also. Previous meeting was 79-75 Texas. Texas actually came back from down double digits um, at home at the Moody Center to come back and win that one in the second half. 154 points scored in that one. UNC-Miami is not a rematch. They actually have the highest projected total for Monday night slate. Uh, And when they played last year with two... Uh, as I might say, so similar rosters, Um, UNC returning four starters, Miami returning a lot of um, not exactly the same players, but similar type of players. Uh, And that game was 85 to 57 Miami. So that one had 143 points scored. So three really good game environments. I don't think that there is necessarily one um, to stack. I don't think that we're going to get a 25 point Miami blowout. Um, But hey, I I definitely think that there are... um, some really good options. And I think looking at those rematches is definitely going to give us a little bit of clue as to what we can expect for game flow. So let's talk about the guard position. So Isaiah Wong is the top guard on the board. And I don't know, I feel like he's just kind of just in very average play, like kind of like five out of 10 in terms of my entry level. He's only hit four times value in two of his last six games, which is not fantastic, but I mean, the, even the games he's not hit four times, he hasn't killed you either. Um, I do think it's a good matchup against UNC though. I really do. Uh, I think that the perimeter is a good spot to attack them. I don't think that, uh, RJ Davis and Caleb Love are the most engaged defenders at all times. Um, and last time that they played last time Miami and UNC played last year, Isaiah Wong had 25, eight rebounds and two assists in that game last year on nine for 18 shooting. So pretty good history. Um, I just wish he was a little cheaper. But, you know, it's a three-game slate, so I guess I I get the fact that he's priced up a little bit more. Um, But, you know, if he were a little cheaper, I would consider him a lineup block. I, I think that he's just a moderately intriguing play. If not, I think there's other options to spend up. Now, one of those options that I'm not interested in spending up in is West Virginia's Eric Stevenson. Um, I think he only really intrigues me if I'm trying to build a contrarian lineup, because I don't think he's going to have a whole lot of ownership. He really got priced up recently because of two, what I would consider outlier performances where he got a lot of shots and made a lot of shots and had over 40 fancy points in two games, but in those two games since that you know those two outlier performances he's only had 24.8 total fantasy points on two for 13 shooting in two games so that's not a good indicator at all, especially for a guy priced over $8,000 on DraftKings. Now, I know you're probably thinking, well, Mike, what did he do last time against Baylor? He only had 14 fancy points last time against Baylor. So I just don't think this is a good spot for Eric Stevenson. But I think that everybody is probably going to agree with me that it's not a good spot for Eric Stevenson. So you're going to see ownership be really low. He makes for a high ceiling, very contrarian GPP play, but I don't think it makes sense on paper. Now, Keontae Georgia-Baylor, Makes all of the sense on paper. He had 45.8 fantasy points last time that Baylor and West Virginia played, and he excels in this type of game environment. He actually averages 39.1 fantasy points in games that go over 150, and... I mean, that's all that needs to be said, right? If this game gets to 150, Keontae George is going to be paying off his value. Now, another similar player to Keontae George, Marcus Carr, just put up 33.5 points against West Virginia in a blowout win on Saturday in the Moody Center. And so I think that, you know, looking at the similar performance of Carr, looking at the performance of George, everything points to George having a good night against West Virginia. And I think he's probably the best on paper play of the 8K guards. Now, heading on down a little bit, R.J. Davis and Kevin Love, or I'm sorry, R.J. Davis and Caleb Love. That would be weird. Um, R.J. Davis and Caleb Love were both bad last year against Miami. They combined for five for 22 shooting. And I just don't think that the perimeter is where you attack this Miami team. I think they're more vulnerable down low. More on that later. And so I just – I'm not really interested in either of the two of them. They both can give you a ceiling game on any given night, which makes them viable to play in GPPs, but I just don't see it. I'm just not there on either of those two guys. I think there's other better options. Marcus Carr, Texas, has back-to-back games over four times value, and he hit four times value last time against Texas Tech. His usage rate's incredibly high, has the ball in his hands a lot. Great cash game player. Haven't seen him have a real ceiling game in a while, um, but I could see it happening against Texas Tech. Uh, definitely, I think he's a solid play in all formats. Adam Flagler, Baylor, to me, is a solid, solid cash game play. Super consistent, super high floor, but I think he lacks the true upside to be a guy who wins you a GPP. So I would probably only stick to him in cash game formats. Now, a guy that I like in all formats is Jordan Miller, Miami. Six of his last eight games have been over 30 fantasy points. He's got a good tempo matchup against North Carolina, and he doesn't need to score the basketball to be successful for us in fantasy. He does a lot with rebounding, gets some assists, gets some steals and blocks as well, and just solid, solid option. I think he's playable in any format. He's consistent. He's shown upside. Just I, I really like Jordan Miller for this Monday night slate. Now for the Texas Tech guards. I got to be honest, I can't figure out why Jalen Tyson is priced ahead of Davion Harmon. Both have seen increased usage since Pop Isaacs went down with injury, and I have not seen any indication that Pop Isaacs is going to be back for this game, so I would expect that to continue. But even with them both seeing increased usage, Davion Harmon's been the better player. Like, he's scored more fantasy points, he's gotten more shots, he's been more efficient with his shots. I just think Davion Harmon has been better, and I don't get why Jalen Tyson's priced up higher. Now, the one thing Tyson does have going for him is that he had 31 fantasy points last time Texas and Texas Tech played, and that was even with Pop Isaacs playing. So maybe, just maybe, Jalen Tyson is the more matchup problem for texas i don't know i I just i would be more intrigued to play harman than tyson i do think it's a good environment i'm probably about a five out of ten on both of those two guys nigel pack of miami high ceiling play in the 6k range we've seen him have big scoring outputs before when he was at kansas state we've seen him have a few at miami um this carolina team that pushes the tempo and is not really great on the defensive end at the guard spots i think solid spot for nigel pack to be a fairly high ceiling play now, another guy that I do like on this slate is Serge Barry Rice of Texas. What I really do like about him is that he averages almost one fantasy point per minute. He's a Longhorn six man. He comes in, plays with great energy. If you've never watched Texas play, the announcers will say this the second he gets in the game. As a guy who watches Texas every game, it's almost getting annoying. But because he's like our guy, he kind of does feel better. He's got one of the best shot fakes in college basketball. And he's just really crafty. And he knows how to get to the basket. He knows how to draw fouls. He knows how to make shots. Like He's just a really solid basketball player, really fun to watch, plays with great energy. And he doesn't need a lot of minutes for us to be successful in fantasy. And he does more than score. And if you're looking at his game log, he's had over 30 fantasy points in three of his last four. And the last game against Texas Tech, he's had 34.5 fantasy points, which was his best fantasy performance of the season. Everything on paper points to a good night for Serge Jabari Rice of the Texas Longhorns. Of all the WVU guards on the slate, I would probably be most likely to play Kedrian Johnson. I just think he has the right combination of upside and stability. Um, you know, Stevenson's been priced up way too much. I don't think Toussaint is a very consistent performer at all. And I think Kedrian Johnson's probably the guy I would play out of all of them, but it's a situation that you can avoid altogether. Also in the 5K range, I think this is a good Wuga-Poplar game for Miami. He's a guy that is just one of your designated perimeter defenders, and they're going to stick him on either R.J. Davis or Caleb Love, and he's going to guard them pretty much minute for minute. And so you're going to see a lot of minutes out of Wuga-Poplar, and I think that you know with minutes on the court come more production. He's one guy who's actually very correlated with his minute total and his production, so I think this is a pretty good spot for Wuga-Poplar. Now Tyrese Hunter. In my opinion, you're going to have a lot of people who are out on him after his kind of dud performances recently, but he's so talented and he's so good at basketball. I know the good fantasy performances are in there, and I think that he has upside because we've seen him do it in the past at Iowa State. We've seen him have good games at Texas. I I know the upside is in there. I think he makes a lot of sense as a GPP play, but it's definitely not a stable play whatsoever. He's also a guy that I would not pair with Serge Abari Rice. Um, It seems that when Rice has good games or when Hunter has – not so productive games. And so like when you look at the game logs, it's why Rice has been doing so well in his last four games is because Tyrese Hunter has not. Um, So they kind of counteract each other. I would not pair them two together. Um, I do think that Hunter, he's a GPP option. He's got some upside. um, But just know when you play him, you're not getting any sort of safety. He could give you another eight-point performance like he has. Langston Love is another player for Baylor who excels in high-scoring games, and this is going to be one of those. He is one of my favorite value plays on the evening. Speaking of other value plays, um, Pop Isaacs of Texas Tech is really the main injury to monitor on this slate. I believe he's going to continue to be out. I haven't seen any indication that he's any close to returning, uh, and so those minutes have been going to Lamar Washington and DeBarion Williams. Um Washington was a little bit more successful last time out, but DeMarion Williams really kind of came onto the scene last game for the Red Raiders. I wouldn't mind either of those two for their price tags. Puff Johnson of Carolina is intriguing. He has dual eligibility, and he's starting to play more and more minutes after, you know, I believe he missed two games. Um, but, you know, they're ramping up that minute load. He gets dual eligibility. To me, he's a solid wing that they can throw out there against Miami, um, and I think that he has a good chance at paying off four times value for his price tag. And then if you want to go really contrarian, really good GPP plays, Artario Morris of Texas. He is the blowout king for the Longhorns. When they win games big, he gets a lot of minutes because he's a freshman and they want him to develop. And so if you think that they happen to smash Texas Tech, which honestly the way the season is trending for Texas Tech is kind of a possibility, um, then he's a really intriguing GPP play in my opinion. All right, that does it for the guards. So let's take a quick breather and then let's break down the big fellas. At the forward position, the top option Monday night is going to be Armando Baycott of North Carolina. And look, he's going to be popular, and I kind of get it. He hasn't been great recently. He hasn't had four times value in his last five games. But the matchup against Miami is what is going to bring a lot of ownership to him. I think that matchup's an absolute smash spot. We've seen Miami, who plays a four-guard lineup, get punished by bigs time in and time out. And what better big to do the punishing than Armando Bacot, who gets a lot of points and a lot of rebounds and sees a lot of usage. Even in the blowout loss last year against Miami, Armando Bacot had 15 and 12. And what I think is also kind of important to note is that teams have been successful playing two bigs against Miami. You know, there's kind of guys that they can just kind of sag off of and, you know, not really have to put a whole lot of intensity and guarding on the Miami offense. And so playing two bigs has been a viable strategy. Duke did it and was pretty successful with Philipowski and Derek Lively in their first meeting. Uh, And so I think Pete Nance is in play for this one as well. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that Nance is like a contrarian play to Baycott because I think they kind of work a little bit in conjunction. They don't really kind of exclude each other. Um, So I would probably be more inclined to play Baycott, but I do think Nance is also an option if you want to try to um, maybe gain a little bit of leverage on Baycott. Now on the other side of the ball in this game is Norchad Omi or Miami. Um, I don't think it's the best matchup for him uh, going up against North Carolina. Um, Omir is a guy who excels on using his strength down low. He's not very tall. He's not very long, but he's very strong, and he's a very good rebounder. Um, so not the best matchup going against a guy who is, you know, in Armando Baycott, a little bigger, a little taller, a little stronger. Uh, but I don't necessarily know if that matters or not. Like, Omir plays really hard. He plays a lot of minutes, and I think he, I think he could still be in line – or a solid fantasy performance, even though it isn't the best matchup on paper, Um, I would say he is more the guy that if you want to play contrarian off of Baycott, he might be the guy I would look to go to. Now for Texas Tech, Kevin O'Banner and Fardal's AMAC, I'm honestly not interested in. Um, AMAC is the type of player who could really give Texas trouble. They really don't do well with low post scoring big men, and AMAC can be that guy, but I just don't know if he's going to play enough minutes to pay off his price tag. Daniel Bacho is likely not playing in this one, which might help Amac and O'Banner, you know, get a little bit more minutes, but I just nothing with Amac with his previous performances have given me any indication that he's going to play more than 20 minutes or that he's going to be able to score more than 20 fantasy points. And he's still priced like the guy he was at Utah Valley last season. I'm just not a believer yet at this current price tag. However, (laughs) As I say a lot of stuff in Daily Fantasy, when something doesn't make any sense on paper, often that makes him a solid GPP play because nobody's going to play him. And like I said, he is the type of guy that gives Texas trouble. I will not be playing him, but I could see a path to Fardal's Fardal's AMAC having a really good game. Trey Mitchell of West Virginia was outstanding last game against Baylor. He scored 38.8 fantasy points in that game. But as a guy who watched the Texas-West Virginia game on Saturday... I don't necessarily think he's in a great spot with Coach Huggins. Um, Bob Huggins benched a lot of West Virginia's normal rotation players in the second half against Texas because he was not happy with effort and shot selection. And Trey Mitchell was one of those guys. And so I don't know if necessarily that means that he gets a reduced minute load this game or if it's... You know, water under the bridge, and he gets the normal minute load, but it, it just didn't look like a good outlook for Trey Mitchell um, with how he performed on Saturday. Now, like I said, he had a great performance against Baylor last time, so maybe Huggins goes back to him. He has a good game again. He has that going for him, but I, I just don't necessarily think this is the best spot for Trey Mitchell. Now, speaking of West Virginia guys who played well, Emmett Matthews Jr. was really the only West Virginia Mountaineer who had a successful game and played well against Texas. Um, however, he was not very successful against Baylor the first time these two teams played. He only had 18 fantasy points against the Bears the first time. So. I don't know. Just going by past history, Mitchell would seem to be the guy. But going by recent performances, Matthews Jr. would seem to be the guy. You still got Jimmy Bell and James Akonko like that are there. This West Virginia front court rotation is kind of a mess. You can avoid it all together if you want. If I were to play one of them, I would say Emmett Matthews Jr. Now for the Texas bigs, I could see this being more so a Dylan Dessou game than a Christian Bishop game for them. Dessou is more of a low post stopper in a way. He's a better rim protector, um, but he does foul a lot is kind of the downside. A Christian Bishop is more of a switcher who can guard multiple positions he's a pogo stick jumping he's brings a lot of energy that they're, they're like they're both solid players right like they both are going to play some decent minutes if texas tech goes heavy usage for Fardal's amac i could see it being much more of a dylan to sue game than a christian bishop game but with the two of them pretty much counteracting each other with minutes i'm fine avoiding both of them together Speaking of guys who counteract each other in terms of minutes, I'm not interested in either of the two Baylor big men for this Monday night slate. Uh, Jonathan Chachwa's return. um, I kind of expected him to play, I don't know. Let me me rephrase. I I didn't know what to expect from him, but I expected him to have a better fantasy point per minute total than he's had. Um, And he's not playing enough minutes that with his low fantasy point per minute total, he's going to pay it off for you. And he's taking away minutes from Flo Thamba that's not allowing Flo Thamba to get to his normal fantasy point total. So uh, I'm just probably out on the two Baylor bigs for this Monday night slate. Now, I already mentioned James Iconquo already. I would lump Dylan Mitchell in there with him as those are two guys who, as value plays, are high upside, but very little consistency and very little predictive based on game flow either. They, they kind of just either have good games or they don't like there's no real rhyme or reason to it and so if you're just looking to stick a last guy into a lineup into a gpp and you want a guy with a little bit of upside mitchell and Aconquo are those two guys now one last guy that i do want to talk about is brock cunningham of texas he is a great narrative play so last year um, Texas and Texas Tech had a lot of bad blood heading, heading into you know their matchups last season because of Texas hiring um, previous Texas Tech head coach Chris Beard. I don't know if that animosity still exists now that Rodney Terry is the interim head coach for the Texas Longhorns, but Brock Cunningham went into like that arena and like the Texas tech students were just giving it to him all night long. And he was just throwing up the hook symbol and just, you know, enjoying every minute of it. And he's the type of guy that he plays with so much energy and passion, um, that other fan bases love to hate him. Um, and, you know, some would say that he has a few hard fouls in his history. He kind of does – he doesn't play a, enough minutes to, like, be concerned about foul trouble. So, if, you know, he would rather foul than give up an easy bucket, which, you know, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. There's never anything dirty or malicious that he does. He just fouls hard. Um, Now, obviously I'm saying this as a Texas fan, but anyway, I think he's an interesting narrative play going back into Lubbock, going back into the hostile environment of Texas Tech and their students. Uh, I think he has a chance to have a successful fantasy night just because I think he might feed into that a little bit and you know when he's on the floor, make a little more of an impact. You know, maybe knock down a few threes, get some rebounds, get some assists, steals. I like I just I think it'd be a fun narrative play to play Brock Cunningham. Nothing more than that. Maybe an interesting GPP option. All right, so that does it for the forward position as well. So there you have it, the big Monday slate, which. Like I said, it's given us three pretty solid games, if I must say so myself. Looking forward to watching them. Looking forward to making my lineups. If you want to see how I fill out my lineups, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. Also, if you like what you're hearing on the podcast, please rate, subscribe, and review I'm not kidding y'all. I really used to think before I started making podcasts that um, people on podcasts just used to say that for no reason. But it really does help out the podcast a lot. It would really help me reach a bigger audience. It would really help me make more of an impact. And I want this podcast to be the biggest college basketball daily fantasy podcast in the world. And I can only get there with your help. So please subscribe, rate, and review if you like what you're hearing. I really do appreciate it. All right, so that does it for the analysis that does it for um, the outro. So best of luck to you guys in all your DFS endeavors. We will be back this week. Um, Tomorrow night, we will be dropping the preview for the Genesis Invitational, the PGA Tour golf tournament. So my college basketball daily fantasy thoughts will be going up on Twitter. So give me a follow on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks if you want to see those. And then Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we should be able to have the college basketball daily fantasy previews up for you as well. So hitting that subscribe button will let you know when those episodes drop. Make sure you stay tuned for those later this week. All right, y'all. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you all next time.